This is a podcast from ABC Overnights. Here's Trevor Chappell. Pat Manser is the author of More Than Words, The Making of the Macquarie Dictionary. Pat worked as a researcher on the first edition of the Macquarie as well. If you want to join us, one three hundred eight hundred triple two. 800 Hello, Pat. Hi, how are you? Pat, I've got a text here that says I can remember a Macquarie Dictionary when I was at school in 1975. Maybe we have false memories and thought we had a Macquarie before we had one. I think you thought you had a Macquarie. You might have had something called an Australian Dictionary because there was a practice of bringing out um, dictionaries uh, with British word lists uh, and people would put, you know, Boomerang and Billabong in and call it um, an Australian Dictionary. Um, So there were dictionaries that said they were Australian, but that's what they did, and uh, it meant that many things weren't quite right. I mean, one of the classic examples is the night sky. Um, you know, an English dictionary would have put in definitions of the night sky and descriptions of the night sky from uh, the Northern Hemisphere. Um, so, of course, that's not at all what we can see down here. Um, and so, you know, things stand to be in not quite the right place. <laughs> um, there's also, of course, um, uh, Australian words, Australian usage of English words, which was completely missing. And a vast area for this is words that describe uh, places. So words like station, track, um Oh, I've got a list of them here somewhere. Hmm. Um, because tracks you know. and track and trail and all of that sort of stuff is interesting, especially when you take a look at the references in New Guinea, in that you can't say track or trail, and that that causes a whole stack of arguments. That's right, and um, Australians uh, were using those words, even words like flat for an apartment. Um, they're not the way you know, uh, Australians and English people use those same words. Mm. House and terrace and a whole bunch of words like that are actually quite wrong. One of the ones that really appeals to me, uh, <laughs> which has only recently been fixed in the Macquarie, is the word river. I mean, we have five rivers from Queensland that only flow when they feel like it, right? Hmm. Uh, But they're still rivers, um, and uh, you can't describe them as, you know, a whole bunch of water flowing through here. You have to use uh, another word, and uh, the word that they've um, lit upon recently when they revised the the definition of river was a watercourse. Um, to imply that sometimes it's, you know, um, it goes on to with more explanation than that. Um, but it actually um, survived as, you know, um, a flow of water through an area. Well, you know, sometimes those rivers are not. And yet they're still, you know, defined in our minds. They're still named as rivers. You don't put roads on them or houses on them.
Pat, when was the concept perceived? Was it a long time before we received it ourselves? In that yeah. one of my favourite stories is the surgeon of Crowthorn, which takes a look at that establishment yeah, of a dictionary, which took a very long time. <laughs> Are we Much to- longer than the Macquarie. Um, <laughs> well, technology. The, 1980s, the 1890s to 1929 was the first time Oxford published. And they published in what they called particles. So they published A first uh, because they, and, you know, that would, was what was published in 1929. Um, our first uh, efforts began really in about the end of the 1960s, 1969. Um, but before that, what's important to know, I suppose, is before that there'd been a, a huge uh, writing of, you know, academic articles. And Sydney Baker, you may recall the, the name Sydney Baker, who was actually a New Zealand journalist who worked in Australia for many years. And in 1945, he had written a book about Australian English um, and, you know, expressed his confusion about words like Premier and Prime Minister, which are entirely different from from what you'll find in a British dictionary um, in definitions. What's Federation? You know, special words to us. And, but Sydney was a collector. He wasn't a um, was writing a dictionary. What he was writing was a collection of words that he'd come across that confounded him. And then in 1962, John Bernard, who was a associate professor of linguistics at Sydney University, wrote an article in Southerly where he talked about fish. Um, and he'd been reading up fish for some reason, and um, the fish, you know, like a trout in Australia is not a trout in England. Um, Barramundi is a different fish from the north of Australia to the south of Australia and across to New Zealand, etc. So um, even that, what you might think of as a fairly hard area of science, um, we had gone off in different directions um, in our speech um, and our writing um, from, you know, our English forebears and, you know, things were starting to get very confused. So during the 60s, people were, uh, at Sydney University particularly, were trying to get, um, you know, some interest from a publisher because there's not a lot of point in um, trying to pull together a dictionary, as you can imagine, it's a fairly hefty job mm. um, if you don't have a publisher. So there was a lot of toing and froing. Um, publishers were generally from Britain at the time. Um, they tended for a long time to turn up their noses um, and go for the strategy of just, you know, grabbing an already existing dictionary and shoving a few English word, uh, Australian words in and calling it Australian and selling it to school kids. Um, and then uh, in 1969, um, Brian Clouston, who was the owner of Jacaranda Press, uh, working from Brisbane, uh, and Brian had been cr- creating readers for kids to... Um, learn to read in primary school and he decided he needed a dictionary uh, to go with them and he wanted uh, what he called actually an aggressively Australian dictionary. You might remember, what people are probably remembering is their Jacaranda Atlas. We all had one of those in primary school. Had a blue front 
the early ones had a map of Australia on the front. And the thing that was special about it was that Australia and the South Pacific and Southeast Asia were first in the front. So you eventually got to Europe and America and all that ubiquitous pink of the British Empire um, later on in the book, but Australia was first. Um, And it was Brian's passion to have the Dictionary of Australian English that would go with his atlas and also with the readers he was creating with the kids in school. Can I just say, so it's important to recognise the difference between Australian English and slang because there were slang books and there is the idea of keeping slang alive, but that isn't necessarily an Australian dictionary. It's 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 a different sort of thing. That's right. There, are, I mean, the dictionary um, always did um, and still does. Our dictionary, the Macquarie, um, contains the slang words because we wanted everything. And this was something that marked us off from a lot of dictionaries um, that have a sort of prescriptive approach. You know, they don't want to put naughty words in or slang words in because they don't want to encourage people to use them. But the attitude of the people who uh, Brian Clouston drew together um, to write their dictionary, uh, who were um, Arthur Delbridge and uh, John Bernard, who'd moved across by then to Macquarie University, um, their attitude was, it was very fierce, actually, that we wanted everything. Um, It had to be comprehensive and it had not to be prescriptive. Um, and so, you know, you didn't take the Samuel Johnson approach, which was to say what you should say. What we wanted to do was record what people did say. Is it also important to recognise that it is a dictionary as well? So it has to have all of the words as well as Australian yeah. ones. Absolutely. Um, it has a lot of words that you might not expect. Um, words that you might come across in your reading, um, One of the awful surprises when the original dictionary was set, and now we're talking 1981, um, was that uh, that dreadful F word came up as a running head word at the top of the page, you know, showing you where you were up to. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah, and so there was a huge to-do, you know, the marketers and the publishers and they're, oh, no, you'll never sell it to kids, you know. Granny won't give it to their grandson for Christmas, you know, this is awful. So they moved it and they put another word, fucoid, which is a kind of uh, mould or something, <laughs> as the head word. But they missed one later on. Um, now, the one that connects with the word mother Yes. Came out. I refuse to say it because someone will be offended. Yeah, right? no, I know what you mean. Um, so, so the one that connects with mother, the word mother, <laughs> came out as running headwood too, and they missed that. And so there it is in glorious bold type at the top of the page. Now, it, it very quickly was picked up and shifted before the second second print run. Um, but the word is there, and of course it's marked usually U.S., you know, the term of abuse, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so that was really quite, it was very funny. It's funny now. It wasn't funny at the time, of course, because the same argument was had. Oh, God, you'll never sell this, you know. That would become um, a collector's item, wouldn't it? Oh, I have it right here on my <laughs> and nobody gets it except me, I can tell you. 
we'll take some um, calls. I'll come back to you. If people want to yes. join us in this conversation, please sure. do it as we take a look at the history of the Macquarie Dictionary. Um, Jan, has, Jan has called. Hello, Jan. I'm a linguist, sort of, you know, almost. And um, I find uh, the Macquarie Dictionary is so vibrant and such an important um, uh, uh, publication because the health of the society it really depends on the language. Um, it's, you know, it's if people can't express themselves, then their democracy shrinks, really. And the, I have another question. Does uh, your guest... Thank you for the interesting talk. Hmm. Does your guest know what the meaning of cobber is? Oh, as in cobber, as in mate. friend, mate, mate, yeah. Cobber. Well, the, yeah. the this is another thing, Pat. Look, thank you, Jan. Because if you're going to give words, how important is it then to actually give the origins of the word as well, Pat? Or is that taking it too far because you can't print everything? Well. There is, of course, always the confines, particularly originally, of print. Um, much more happy now that you can do all this uh, material online. And, of course, the Macquarie's been online for many years. Um, and when you, when you uh, look up Cobber in uh, the online version of the dictionary, what you'll get is the meaning of the word, then... Um, the thesaurus information, because the Macquarie later on produced a thesaurus. So the thesaurus information would give you, you know, the origins of Cobber um, and uh, probably any kind of interesting facts about the word. Um, one of my favourites is use, you know, Y-O-U-S-E, which we're all shrinking with horror at now because, mm. of course, we're not allowed to say that. Um, use is a really interesting word because we think it comes from uh, Irish, um, Gaelic, and um, it came into Australian English, obviously, through some of our um, convicts and immigrants um, at settler time. Um, and uh, it makes sense because we don't have the plural for, you know, we don't distinguish between singular and plural use, so it can sometimes be confusing. Um, and uh, when you look it up um, in the Macquarie's online version, you get a little dissertation from the previous editor, Sue Butler, about the origins of you, uh, use sorry, and why... Um, we don't seem to like it. You know, we keep being told it's non-standard and yet we hear it from time to time. Um, and why not? Um, and so, you know, the, the online version is a gift in the sense of the space that it allows you to have to do a lot more of this ruminating about words that, you know, a, dic a dictionary that's printed can't afford and to the, do. And the lovely thing as well, because I was looking up Ruman. Um, which is a Tasmanian term, which is used a lot um, about somebody who's a bit quirky or a bit of a character. And the Australian yeah, the Australian word map is wonderful for that, which is online. Yes, that's right. It, it, it's actually um, you've got to tear yourself away from it if you yes. like words. <laughs> and um, all that kind of um, browsing that you would have done. I mean, most a lot of people uh, just want to what you. Uh, 
you know, the spelling of a word or the uh, pronunciation of a word or the uh, meaning of a word, you know, those very prosaic pieces of information. Um, but um, other people will sit with a dictionary and, you know, you look up one word and half an hour later you find you've, you know, looked up three others um, because just for the fun of it, or you've browsed, you've spotted a word you didn't know and you, you go, you know, I mean, one of the things that amuses me is, is the headwords, the running headwords at the top of the page. And I've told you about, you know, the um, the blunder. Yeah. Um, my personal favourite is bearded tit. Because as you flip through a dictionary and you're thinking about, you know, you can be thinking about international diplomacy or something. Yeah. You flip through the dictionary and you see that and think, what? And, of course, it turns out to be a bird. <laughs> Pat, are you doing, when you're researching something like this, because there are so many different meanings for different words around the country within different states. How important was it when you're researching it before you publish that you actually make sure you get everything in there because otherwise someone from another state will go, hang on, you've missed us out? Yes, that that was hard actually, particularly originally because we were doing this on a shoestring. Um, one of the ways that we, we started um, was to uh, buy a word list from a previous dictionary, um, which obviously wasn't an Australian one, um, and every entry was written onto a little white card, you know, and we persuaded um, John and Arthur's teenage children that this would be a great way to spend one of their Christmas holidays, <laughs> um, these little, cutting the entries up and putting them on the, the uh, cards. But that, that was very difficult at first, and I, I think it would be fair to say that the original Macquarie probably had a bit of a Sydney, New South Wales lean to it. But we very quickly involved um, a guy called Bill Ramson, who was in New Zealand at the time, um, and he uh, provided some New Zealand words. The other thing that, that uh, gave us um, the capacity to deal with that kind of thing was to get specialists in every state and also specialists for particular subject areas. So, for example, we wouldn't sit down and try to write about, you know, where was Mars in the sky. We'd get an astronomer to do that. Um, we had legal experts. We had motor car experts. We had botanists. We had um, all people who um, were able to do that. Now, one of the interesting things that in later editions of the dictionary was that the ABC helped tremendously by using all its regional offices and, um, you know, um, centres in different states and different regions to gather for us by talking, just talking to people like we're doing now um, and getting people to ring in with words and, you know, collecting them. Um, so that helped enormously. But the other way to do it, of course, was the specialists from different states. Um, but, of course, the, none of these things are, um, oh, what's the word, uh, perfect in terms of collection. Um, you could collect, you know, forever and you still wouldn't have everything. Um, but the Macquarie did its best because there was a very fierce determination um, to do that. The other thing that's interesting about the regions and the states is the history of Australian English has produced very similar 
um, patterns of language. Um, and if you read uh, linguists' work on the history of Australian English, you'll find there's a puzzle about why it developed in much the same way, despite the fact that the colonies were so far apart. Mm. Uh, and it seems to relate to, you know, the fact that it was a, a government um, enterprise at first um, and um, that uh, people were moved around by um, a um, machine you know, of government that allowed, you know, movement around once the, the colonies were settled. And, of course, the gold rushes helped enormously with that because people just shifted and moved right across the country. Uh, um, in the 1850s in response to the gold rushes and uh, the depression at the time in the 1850s that shifted people. Um, so we think that that had a lot of impact. But the people who make decisions about words are kids, um, particularly about pronunciation of words. Um, when you think about the origins of the colonies, there must have been an absolute cacophony of English dialects um, you know, when they got off the boat in Botany Bay, mm. it must have been horrendous. And so what we think happened is that um, uh, gradually as kids were born into the colony, either settlers or convict children, um, they would unwittingly, of course, choose sounds that, that came into, you know, their speech. Um, and that means you're pushing others away, and some of the more extreme dialect sounds would have been pushed away. Um, and uh, so a selection process is going on without anybody recognising it particularly. Um, and that's what we think was happening. It's still happening today. Kids make a yeah. lot of decisions about words. The one that's going on at the moment, which is quite entertaining, is also about pronunciation, is H and H. You know, um, H is the only letter in the alphabet that doesn't have its own sound in it. And the kids are picking H. Now, I don't know about where you went to school, but when I went to school in Australia, having been to school in England and came to school in Australia, um, you weren't allowed to say H. H was common, you know, and only poor people said H. <laughs> Goodness knows why. And so the correct pronunciation was H. Well, that's not happening anymore. Um, the kids are choosing H, and it makes a lot of sense. We're joined this morning by Pat Manser, who's the author of More Than Words, The Making of the Macquarie Dictionary. Pat worked as a researcher on the very first edition of the Macquarie. Jill joins us as well. Hello, Jill. Oh, hello, Trevor, and your guest, Pat. Yes. Um, hello. <laughs> hello. I have I, I I went and got my Macquarie out, lugged it out. I've been lugging it around since 1981, which is no mean feat. That's right. Um, in in the in the front of it was this little flyer, like a four four page flyer called the Macquarie Dictionary Society, Volume One, Number One, October 1981. In it, there is a photo of a young woman at a computer. That's not you, Pat, is it? Oh, it won't be. If there's a computer involved, it won't be me. Um, it's probably... Let me have a look. Let me have a look. I've got it here. Yeah. A young woman at a computer. I don't have a young woman at a computer. Um, when, we, when we published the Macquarie, um, we sold 
50,000 copies in the first three months, um, which is astonishing for a a reference book. Um, And then they sold another 50,000. So they did a second print run, and you may have the second print run. Hey, Jill, what's it like, the original big one? Oh, it's fabulous. It's got this wonderful... um uh, uh, what, do we, what do you call it? inside the cover? You know the wonderful. There's a a painting of a, a scene. Well, a painting. It's green. It's a bush scene. Yeah. It's very Australian, and it seemed to me. I mean, I was. A, I think I was a poor student at the time, but I had to have the Macquarie. You know, I think it was part of being Australian. I did look up the mother word, but mine says something about a bird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's the first edition, but it's pretty close. And I'm, it's something that, um, I, you know, I mean, when you, when you move, um, and books are so heavy, aren't they, to pack, but I've never let my Macquarie go. It's how big is it, Jill? It's fantastic. That's fantastic. Oh, it's, it's, how big is it? Yeah. It's, um, oh, it's about, I'd say, 10 inches long by about four inches wide. Um, it's heavy, you know, it's a hardback. Mm. <clears throat> Obviously not something you read in bed at night, you know, it's just when you want to, but it's got, you know, it tells you about Uluru, you know, and stuff like that, and, and the Australian birds and places. And Jill, I'm glad you mentioned that, because, and thank you for calling. Pat, one of the things I wanted to ask you were, was the inclusion of Indigenous language, and right. also getting Indigenous language right, because there are so many different Indigenous languages, so if there are going yes. to be words that are used commonly in the Australian language, then you have to be able to fight, find the right language that that word is from. Mm-hmm. Um, look, what we did there, um, Kevin Weldon, who was the um, third hero publisher and the one that finally got it into print in 1981, you can tell there's a great gap between the late 60s and 1981 when it was actually printed. Kevin was very enthusiastic about gathering, you know, he wanted all Australian uh, Indigenous languages. Um, that at the time was really, really hard. So what we wound up with was um, a process of gathering the words that we could gather as easily as possible, working with um, linguists, particularly at the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander... um, I've forgotten the actual title of it, at um, ANU University... Hmm. Um, and working with them, who, who were working with communities to try to get, um, you know, languages written down so that we could in the end collect them. Um, we started with um, obvious words that we knew, you know, words like in Victoria, mangrook, you know, the football yep. that Aboriginal people play. Um, that word comes from a number of languages in Victoria. It can't be sourced, you know, to one. Um, and then, of course, as things built up and as the collections that people were making started to be written down um, by the communities themselves, um, we started to be able to um, put them in. Originally, they would only have had um, an etymology that said Aboriginal because it was too hard to isolate the languages. But now um, it's much better. If you look, you'll find Noongar words, you'll find, uh, you know, from the area around Perth in Western Australia, you'll find all kinds of Wiradjuri words, you know, um, the the success of Aboriginal communities in getting their languages 
uh, to, the, to the point where we can write down um, what we need. Um, now let's just put a proper etymology in that says the specific language that it comes from. And it's very exciting, and it's being done by the communities themselves um, and then gather, gathered up by linguists. Pat, we just heard about the original big one. Did schools start to make sure that they had the Macquarie within it and did it become important through the education system to make sure that kids had a Macquarie? Um, well, it was a bit of, it was a bit patchy. Um, in uh, Victoria and New South Wales, um, there was a sort of bit of a resistance about dictating. You know, that it, it was always in schools, you know, but it'd be in the library. Um, but what was much more exciting, actually, was the um, reaction of ordinary people to the first dictionary. As I said, we sold 50,000 copies within three months. Hmm. Um, and then another 50,000 over a period of about 18 months. Now, that's unheard of for any dictionary anywhere. Um, you know, it was just so well received, and Kevin had a fantastic, um, innovative um, marketing strategy for it, uh, which was that um, in the weeks before the dictionary was ready to go out, he printed teaser ads in the papers, you know, so there'd be a bunch of words, just a little ad, a little square advertisement. Wouldn't be labelled advertisement, and it would say, "Do you know what a mully grubber is? The Macquarie is coming to tell you. Do you know what a paru dog mm. is, um, etc." Um, taking out some very particular words and piquing people's curiosity, and he sold it through newspapers and news agents. So you got a coupon out of the paper in the morning, and you trucked up to your news agent, and they got it for you. And that was extraordinarily clever because. The newspapers were, in those days, of course, delivered uh, by a little truck to every place in Australia, basically. Um, those little trucks with the aluminium trays at the back, you know, because paper's heavy, so they would put, make them very lightweight. And they were delivered all over Australia every morning. So your connection to your newsagent was uh, uh, to the dictionary through the, the newsagent. Um, and he had uh, chatted up and duchessed the um, newspaper editors and supportive articles went into the papers at the same time, written by us, of course, about, um, you know, how you needed this dictionary because it was Australian. Um, and the, res the response was extraordinary. Um, and uh, it has... Dropped off a bit since, um, I suppose you'd say fairly, um, uh, but uh, it's still it's now so much a part of it that, that as Jill said, she's carted her Macquarie around for <laughs> years. I also have, <laughs> but then I've got an interest in it. But um, you know, people say that I love my Macquarie. You know, the people who say to you over the years, you know, what sort of jobs have you had, and you tell them. And that's one of them. And they say, oh, I love my Macquarie. And instantly you're talking about words in Australian English instead of what job you had, you know. <laughs> see, Pat, how do you then make a decision when there needs to be another edition, that there needs to be an update? 
Um, well, I don't make those decisions, no. of course, so I can't really tell you, but um, they they try to keep... It's updated um, uh, as you go along now because, again, of, of the um, uh, electronic database and the fact that it's online. And so it's updated, you know, as an ongoing thing, but mm. you, you won't believe this, but there are actually only two full-time workers on it um, at the moment. It lives with, um, it's published now by Macmillan um, and they, uh, their other staff, you know, the, the electronic whizzes who get it to um, its present shape um, work for Macmillan and they, you know, lend their expertise when it's required. Um, but... Um, Yes, you just keep going it's, with constant. I mean, it's amazing uh, how language changes. It's one of those delightful um, things about the the continuous evolution of language. Just, I wanted to just go back to when you were originally doing the research and you were putting the original yeah. one together. At what point do you decide whether or not a word goes in? In that, does it need to be the usage need to be widespread enough? Does it yep. need to be the usage used enough? How do you decide what goes in and what comes out? You know how I mentioned rumen before, which is mainly a, t- a t- term from Tasmania. Do you go, well, that word may not be used enough, so we don't include it? Um, that is a, a thought. It works. If we had a word like rumen, um, I'm not sure whether it's in the Macquarie. Um, it's not a word I know. But yeah. um, if, if we... The thing about it is you get a certain predilection. For example, you have to make the same decision with specialist areas. Um, you know, like a botanist might provide you with words um, that really only a bunch of botanists are going to use. Yeah. Um, so you're going to say to yourself, well, um, it has currency, but only in a specialist area, so we'll leave that one out, yep. but we'll put this one in. Um, you know, we we had that sort of issue with everything, really, that that departed from just, you know, ordinary words. Um, and uh, it's a decision, really, of, of the editorial committee, or it was in those early days, um, about what went in and what came out. Now, of course, there's two issues. One is currency, um, so you need to know that enough people use it. Because there are people who will try bless their cotton socks, to get a word they've made up. <laughs> yeah, because they're pleased with it and it's funny and it makes their friends laugh, yeah. you know, and they think it should be in. Well, sorry, but, you know, unless it has some currency um, and, you know, you can you can tell about currency. Um, it, it, there's a sort of preponderance that's needed for it to get in. Um, and... Um, some words will be left out because they're too specialised. Some will be left out because they're jokes. You know, somebody made them up. Um, and um, others take on, you know, that horrible word mansplain, I think, was the word of the year in 2014 because people were using it. And so currency is a big issue. The other big issue now is being up to date. You know, a dictionary is not much chop if the word you heard, you know, a week ago on the radio, isn't there. And because of the electronic nature now, you can be really quick about getting those words in. And the wonderful, um, th- 
the wonderful thing about WordMap, I mean, if people want to go down a hole that will just take you in so many places, the Australian <laughs> WordMap is one of those in that because then people can contribute, Pat, which means that yeah. people can contribute their stories and associations with words. That's right. And um, it's really important um, that you're collecting from the population generally and not just a bunch of linguists. You know, you've got to... Um, they won't come across everything, and so you need that sort of um, support from popular culture um, in all its guises, um, and that's that's how the Macquarie collects. And that's from the the. the what we've been talking about this morning, it's how it all began as well, is that importance of Australian language. Pat, thank you very much for telling us about it this morning. It's been a great conversation. Well, I hope they all rush out and buy the book, to be honest. So now that you know <laughs> more about it... You've all got your Macquarie. Buy my book. <laughs> yes, and because it, that's the story that we've been hearing about today. Pat, thank you very much. Pat Manson. Okay, thank you. Who's thank the author of More me. Than Words, The Making of the Macquarie Dictionary. Pat was worked as a researcher in the very first edition of the Macquarie, and it is a fascinating story. 